This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Some of us are still reading lists of the best books, movies, and restaurants of 2022. But for the tech world, it's onward and upward. From the metaverse to streaming services, things are already changing. And here to tell us more is Washington Post tech writer Tatum Hunter. Hey, Tatum. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. So tell us what you are up to this week. I hear you're at the Consumer Electronics Show. Yes, um, CES, my colleague Chris Velasco and I um, have gone to Las Vegas to spend some time on the show floor and see what's new and upcoming in 2023. So tell us more. What, what does CES look like? Um, if you've ever been to you know, a trade show for work, it, it, it looks similar to that, but absolutely ginormous and filled with some really strange and fantastical things from, you know, robots that try to relax you by nibbling on your fingers to, um, you know, full body um, suits so that you can have legs in the metaverse. You're going to see some really practical things. Last night I saw um, a uh, wastebasket for restaurants that uses computer vision to keep track of what restaurants are throwing away and help them reduce food waste. Mm-hmm. And then you'll also see um, just some some truly strange stuff. Like I saw a headband that uses bone conduction to try to change your brain and make it more relaxed. Oh, my goodness. Wow. The the range there, right? <laughs> uh, so talk to us. Talk to us about some of the big buzzwords in the tech world right now. So I would say one, um, you know, buzzword at CES this year is going to be the metaverse. And I think everyone is, you know, familiar with this one. Um, And maybe it fits the category of buzzword because you're not quite sure what it is, but everyone's talking about it. Um, So if you are, if you are a metaverse hater, you may have been, um, you know, excited about the sweeping layoffs at Meta this year, Um, but don't get excited too fast. The metaverse is still very much under development by both Meta and other companies um, like Canon. Um, And, and, you know, we could see face computers from some of our other, uh, you know, favorite consumer electronics brands like Apple. Uh, So that's definitely a big one. I see. Well, you know what? I think we might be making assumptions there, Tatum, because I I think – and I'm sorry to make you do this, but I, I think I'm going to make you explain what the metaverse is because I feel like there are still some folks who don't get it. I'm thinking of my mom who's listening right now. She's like, what? Meta what? See, this, you're being a better reporter than I am. I need to define <laughs> my terms, especially especially the, the weird and vague ones. So, so, this, so the metaverse you know, refers to a shared virtual space. Um, so it's virtual reality as opposed to, um, you know, on a screen, it's going to be three-dimensional where you can move through it and interact and ideally share that space with other people. You know, we've seen it in science fiction, and now we're kind of seeing it in real life, except that, um, you know, these companies are all building these proprietary walled garden versions of the metaverse, not something that you can, you know, interact with through different platforms in the same shared virtual space. I see. How does Facebook parent company Meta factor in? Because they, they've got a lot going on. They they do. And in case you've missed it, um, today is a um, sad day in Meta world because they just received a fine from the European Union, um, $414 million um, for effectively forcing users to accept personalized target ads. Um, and this, you know, I I, I write a lot about privacy and personalized ads, um, and this is a pretty big deal. Yeah. 
My goodness. So for those of us who might not know, Web Web 3, what's that? So Web 3 um, refers to uh, the idea of like a new iteration of the Internet owned by, you know, the users, maybe on some sort of decentralized technology um, instead of, you know, being owned by big companies. So, you know, it's if you hear Web3 mentioned by a company at CES, um, there's some irony there, which is maybe worth noting. Let's talk about your predictions for 2023. What's the theme of the year for you? Oh, that's a great question. I think the theme of the year for me in 2023 is the same as my uh, theme every year, and that is, you know, consumer power, consumer autonomy. Um, I think that we might see a pendulum swing this year um, with people at home getting really tired of the access that companies uh, demand to our lives and the relatively little control we have over what information we turn over. Um, I don't think we would, you know, accept it uh, from from a government, but we accept it from companies. And I think that this fine from Meta and the European Union for burying, you know, this consent in its terms of service rather than giving uh, its users meaningful consent to say no to personalized ads but still use its service mm-hmm. is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, in your piece, the tech trends to watch for in 2023, you talk about the future of generative AI. What kinds of tools are we talking about here? So people might actually be familiar with these. Um, one is, uh, we mentioned Lenza. You may have seen this on your social media feeds about, you know, a month ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, with people using this uh, machine learning software app on their phone to generate these illustrations of themselves. Um, another one is Chat Oh, yes. GPT, uh, yes, I yeah, saw where, that. Where it's like a... It's, it can write emails, it can write poems, it can, um, you know, write almost anything in the style of almost anything, um, which is which is pretty wild to play with. What kind of regulation is generative AI facing? Um, I think that the EU is, you know, kind of engaging with those questions a little more actively um, than we are here in the States. And I think that that, you know, tends to be a trend. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide. But the question is, uh, is important because, um, uh, you know, as my colleague put it in the story, this year, we've seen how far it's come. And maybe next year, we'll find out how far we allow it to go. <laughs> Obviously, this poses, um, this poses threats, uh, you know, to, to workers, um, as people whose, whose work could, you know, be replaced. It also poses a threat right now to the workers whose work it was trained on, you know what I mean? The artists, who, who um, had their work fed into that machine learning model to create the Lenza images, for example. Um, and, and I think an, another risk worth noting is the difficulty in the future of telling what was created by a human and what was created by a computer. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's a big one. And uh, well, I want to switch over to streaming services for a bit because I know more people than ever, myself included, have quit cable, uh, and that's in favor of streaming services. So what will influence how streaming services adapt this year? Um, Money. I think that streaming services need more of it. Uh, We've probably noticed how how kind of fragmented the whole space has become. Um, And so you might see kind of like what Netflix did, this this, um, ad-supported tier where you pay less, you see more ads. 
um, so that they can get that ad business. Or you might see, um, you know, some deals being cut, like the um, upcoming deal, you know, between I believe it's HBO and um, Discovery Plus. I hope I got that right. Mm-hmm. But you might see um, you know, some some mergers, uh, and it would be kind of funny if it ends up, you know, being being uh, you know we're paying as much as we do for we used to for cable, you know. Yeah, those costs. You know, speaking of Netflix and, and Discovery Plus and so forth. I'm just tired of the the rising prices. As someone who, as I mentioned, quit cable a long time ago, it's starting to feel like I'm getting back to cable pricing as I add up these different streaming services that I've now had to add over the years. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think we might see some streaming shakeups um, <laughs> this upcoming year. Yeah. Now, uh, with all of these new innovations, Tatum, it's probably even more important to consider cybersecurity. Right. Yes, I I have been I might be the only person who's interested in this, but I've been kind of fascinated that cybersecurity companies show up at CES. Um, what are you hearing you know, from from those experts? Um, d- d- the importance of them being there, you know, um, th- th- it's not, a, you know, those companies aren't sexy the way that a robot is, uh, you know, when you're on the show floor. But like you said, they're they're super important because every time consumers get hit with a new product, uh, it opens up a new vector for attacks. And I think now we see that, you know, we tend to think of crime um, in the physical world more than we do in the digital world. Mm-hmm. But, crime in the digital world, we actually encounter more often. Think about how many scam texts and emails you receive, you know, somebody trying to steal money from you on a given day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I love that cybersecurity companies, including um, CISA, you know, the government agency responsible for this has, has yeah. shown face at CES. And we just talked about AI a few minutes ago and, and how sophisticated it's getting. Is that also top of mind for cybersecurity experts right now? Um, absolutely. I mean, I think that it's kind of an arms race where, where, as I understand it, cybersecurity experts can build machine learning to detect um, suspicious, you know, online activity. But then the, you know, bad actors can also use AI to um, subvert that detection, you know. Yeah. Well, what else are you going to be watching for this year? I uh, and maybe this is basic, but I love those robots. Um, <laughs> I robots can tell. Yes, are often kind of designed to be eye catching, um, and a lot of times, some of them are you know really practical. Like we saw one last night that's an agricultural robot. It can roll through your farmland and tell the difference between what you're trying to grow and a weed, um, which it, um, is pretty amazing given that you know. Yeah. You know when you are trying to log into something online and it makes you do a CAPTCHA? Yes. Um, to prove that you're a human? Yes. Well, like, this robot could pass a CAPTCHA test if it was weeds and plants, so um, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. But most of the robots are um, social, social robots that I've seen that really draw you in. Last night I got to use this pillow that breathes. Nice. Um, oh, my it's, gosh. <laughs> it's breathing, it gets deeper and it slows down and wow. so you just fall asleep. Well, we'll leave it there. Tatum Hunter is a tech writer for The Washington Post. Have fun in Vegas, Tatum. Thank you.